Welcome to a breath of fresh earth, taking the commitment to a clean environment to the next level. Your host, Rick Friedman, will crown the climate hero and villain of the week, along with discussing worldwide environmental issues, showcasing new products designed with the longevity of our planet in mind, and putting the spotlight on the individuals making a big impact in helping the climate and pollution crisis through social media. Now, your host, Rick Friedman. Welcome to the Good News episode. Today we're going to be talking about good things happening around the world. Who was that guy that took over the show two weeks ago? I don't know where he is now, but I hope he doesn't come back. Well, welcome. The South Korean government is joining the World Economic Forum's One Trillion Tree Initiative and planting three billion new trees over the next 30 years. The organization hopes to grow one trillion trees worldwide by 2030. They hope to restore forests so they'll become capable of capturing 34 million tons of carbon emissions in the future. Most of the forests in South Korea were formed in the 70s and 80s. Those trees are now more than 30 years old, and the carbon sequestration capacity of many of those forests are in the decline. More good news. A federal judge threw out the former guy's administration's approval for a large oil project in Alaska's North Slope saying the federal review was flawed and it didn't include mitigation measures for polar bears. The former guy's administration approved the project late in 2020. The Biden administration defended the project in court. It's kind of a surprise. But let's hear a big cheer for Judge Sharon Gleason. The Bureau of Land Management conducted the environmental review of the project that Gleason found flawed. Conservation groups and sovereign Inupiat for a Living Arctic, described as a grassroots organization, challenged the adequacy of the review process. In October of 2020, then-U.S. Interior Secretary David Bernhardt signed the government's record of decision that called for allowing ConocoPhillips to establish up to three drill sites, associated processing facilities, and gravel roads and pipelines on the North Slope. Two more drill sites and additional roads and pipelines proposed by ConocoPhillips could be considered later. The secretary said that the decision would make a significant contribution to keeping oil flowing through the Trans-Alaska Pipeline System decades into the future and provide revenue. The Bureau of Land Management said the project could produce up to 160,000 barrels of oil a day, with about 590 million barrels over the next 30 years. Judge Gleason said the land management's agency exclusion of foreign greenhouse gas emissions in its environmental review was arbitrary and capricious. Gleason voided a report by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services for lacking the specifics around mitigation measures for polar bears. The agency had concluded that the project was not likely to jeopardize the continued existence of polar bears and not likely to result in the adverse modification of polar bear critical habitat. Governor Dunleavy of Alaska, of course, he didn't like this at all. He said, from a federal judge trying to shelve a major oil project on American soil does one thing. It outsources production to dictatorships and terrorist organizations. He called the decision horrible. I think that's a little bit much. He could have said he was disappointed. <laughs> the city of Montreal will ban the sale of around 100 pesticides for domestic use in the city. Substances that will be banned include some of the most dangerous, according to a statement from the city. The city says it will be the first in Canada to completely ban the sale of these chemicals. The city says it's taking this action due to the risks these pesticides present to people's health and to the environment. The new measure will mean any commercial use, including golf courses, landscaping, gardening, exterminators. If they want to use those chemicals, they'll need to get an approved annual permit from the city. Citizens who don't comply could be fined up to $1,000, while 
while businesses face a, up to a fine of $2,000. Officials say that repeat offenders could also lose their permits, forcing them to close. The new bylaw will take effect in 2020. You're going to love this one. Oil giant Shell, always a favorite to pick on here on the show. They agreed to pay 95 million pounds to communities in southeastern Nigeria whose land was ravaged by oil spills back in the 1970s. Shell was first convicted of this in 2010, but the company had repeatedly challenged the ruling. But they did not succeed. They finally reached a settlement two weeks ago. The Anglo-Dutch company Shell has agreed to pay compensation to the community, but it has maintained that the oil spills were caused by third parties during Nigeria's civil war from 1967 to 1970, during which many pipelines and infrastructure was damaged. In 2015, Shell agreed to pay £70 million in compensation to some 15,000 residents and agreed to begin cleaning up an oil spill from 2008. Shell's always maintained that sabotage damaged those pipelines. But we're not going to feel too bad for Shell. Remember the reports that they wrote, to internal reports that they wrote in the 70s saying that global warming was real and that they were harming the world? They didn't care. They buried those reports. So if they have to pay a trillion dollars, I don't really care. So here's a report I've been waiting to talk about. The era of electric aviation has begun. German postal service giant DHL Express ordered 12 Alice electric aircrafts from a company called Eviation. Those planes are going to be delivered sometime in 2024. Eviation scheduled the aircraft's maiden flight later this year. They're going to build the first electric and emission-free air freight network. How cool is that? DHL said these new planes can be charged while loading and unloading operations occur, making quick turnaround times. Aviation Aircraft is an Israeli and U.S. company only just revealed details of the aircraft this past July. The range is supposed to be about 800 kilometers, top speed around 400 kilometers per mile. The passenger version of this Alice plane is to be built by the manufacturer Magna X. In that version, Alice will be able to transport nine passengers and two crew members. Well, that's good news. Well, it looks like I won't be going to Thailand anytime soon. They've just banned sunscreen containing certain chemicals that damage coral from its marine national parks. That would suck for me because I once burned in a hurricane and I use sunscreen all the time. Concerns are growing that lotions that tourists are using for sun protection are harming slow-growing corals. The Thai Department of Conservation said four ingredients commonly found in sunscreens were shown to destroy coral larvae, obstruct coral reproduction, and cause reef bleaching. Fines can be up to $3,000. Officials have not said how they plan to enforce the rule. Pardon me, miss. Can I see your sunscreen? Can you turn over? Now back again? Thank you. The banned lotions are those containing four products I cannot pronounce without mispronouncing them, so I won't say their names. Similar bans have been introduced by the Pacific island of Palu and the U.S. state of Hawaii. This is the latest attempt by the Thai government to protect its coral from tourism industry. Maya Bay, on one of the islands, made famous for its appearance in the film The Beach, has been closed since 2018 after most of its coral was destroyed. Well, that's good news. Did your parents ever say to you, do you think we have a money tree in the backyard? Or maybe this one. Do you think money magically appears out of thin air? I always wanted to ask, could it appear in thick air? But I didn't want to get grounded for life. So I kept my mouth shut, which was then, and now, kind of difficult. 
Perhaps if my parents were alive today, they'd get a kick out of hearing about a Spanish company called AquaAir that has devised a system to extract drinking water from, you guessed it, thin air. The devices are already delivering clean, safe water to communities in Namibia and the Lebanese refugee camp. In the villages, people didn't understand. Like, where did the water come from? And the company had to say, out of thin air. The machines use electricity to cool air until it condenses into water. Kind of like the same effect that you get condensation in air conditioning units. A small machine can produce 50 to 75 liters a day and can be easily carried on a trolley. Bigger versions can produce up to 5,000 liters a day or the equivalent of 1,300 U.S. liquid gallons. Well, that's good news. Okay, here's a good one. I've heard of the Air Force, but what about the Hair Force? Human hair has become a major player in ocean cleanups as a free, highly effective resource that never runs out. Well, for some of my friends, it's run out. Huh? <laughs> Sorry, guys. After you get your hair cut at a place called Pitch, a salon in the heart of San Francisco, the stylist will carefully collect the clippings they feed them into a felting machine at the EcoHub next door. As you watch, your locks of hair will be turned into hair mats that look like tightly woven felt and will ultimately be used to clean up water pollution. Yes, your former ponytail can help save a bird. In 1989, Phil McCrory, a hairstylist in Huntsville, Alabama, was watching the CNN coverage of the Exxon Valdez oil spill in Alaska. He knew that oil attaches to hair and wondered, what if human hair could be used to clean up the oil spill? It can, and it does. Hair is great at soaking up grease. Each hair strand absorbs three to nine times its weight in oil. Its porous structure is the reason birds and furry sea mammals, like otters, are particularly affected by spills. The grease sticks to their feathers and fur. This guy McCrory partnered with the San Francisco nonprofit called Matter of Trust. Together, they launched a clean wave program that produced fiber mats from hair collected at salons and fur from pet groomers and even laundry lint. And today, 40,000 hair salons donate their hair clippings to the US in the United States alone. Into that 40,000? It's hard to believe there's 40,000 hair salons. And since human hair is a renewable source, there's no shortage of it. Each of the 900,000 hair salons and 400,000 pet groomers in the United States cut about three pounds of hair or fur per day. That's a massive amount of fiber that gets stuffed into trash bags and hauled off to landfill, landfills. Can you imagine if all of those were donated, how many mats of hair you could make? But let's talk a little bit more about them, how they're used. The hair mats were used first in Ecuador's Maison Rainforest, where Texaco, which is now owned by Chevron, dumped over 16 billion gallons of toxic wastewater and spilled several million gallons of crude oil. In 2007, Matter of Trust volunteers participated in the cleanup after the Cusco-Busan oil spill in the San Francisco Bay. And in 2010, the BP spill of 205 million gallons of crude oil into the Gulf of Mexico sparked an unprecedented response. Within four days, Matter of Trust received three-quarters of a million pounds of fiber filling 19 warehouses. The EPA called it the largest grassroots roots, get it, mobilization it had ever seen. Two studies show that hair mats and booms soak up oil just as effectively as conventional solutions. Conventional methods involve oil-based chemical dispersants and synthetic absorbent booms, essentially using oil to clean up oil. They're toxic. When the booms break apart, the synthetic pellets spread back into the environment. When a hair boom breaks apart, it's just a natural fiber, thus more planet-friendly. The hair mats can be washed and reused up to 10 times, I think I'll skip that job. 
Unfortunately, right now, the best way to get rid of these saturated mats is to put them in a landfill. Company's working on that. Matter of Trust mostly needs hair longer than three inches to produce tight a tight weave and then uses clippings of two inches or more to fill in the mats. The organization donates super long strands to nonprofits that make up wigs for ill people like Little Princess Trust or Hair We Share. Instead of big oil spills, Matter of Trust now is focusing on storm drains and motor oil leaks from roadways. 50% of the water contamination comes from the streets. Hair mats, or these booms, can be placed around storm drains and act as natural filters, soaking up oil and trapping debris like cigarette butts. It's not the most exciting thing to see, but it is a solution for cities and bus fleets. Even the Air Force is in on it. They've been partnering with Matter of Trust since 2011 and just ordered another 300 hair mats for a filtration project. The Hair Force mats can be placed under snow plow equipment. They can last up to two years or longer. The company hopes to have 300 satellite locations around the world. Ten satellite locations already exist. Chile, Japan, Finland, Greece, England, France, Belgium, and Spain. In Chile, they created these amazing kiosks where people can change their phones with reused batteries from old scooters while at the same time donating their hair. People are always asking what they can do. Well, this is something everybody can do. Others have set up their own networks, like in Canada. There's a place called Green Circle Salons. They're collecting hair clippings from 16,000 waste warriors. In France, Coiffeurs Juste have collected 40 tons of hair from 3,200 salons since 2015. They stuff them into booms made from pantyhose that are used in the harbors of the Côte d'Azur or the Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris. They realize the hair booms can soak up sunscreen in lakes and swimming pools. Hey, maybe we can get the hair sent it over to Thailand so the people can use their regular sunscreens again. They're even experimenting now with using the hair, this hair solution for soil erosion. The keratids slowly release nitrogen into the soil like a fertilizer. Bugs and snails don't crawl on it. The best part is rain goes right through it but it will prevent water evaporation and prevent soil erosion. Someone's finally using their heads. Well, that's good news. How does this sound? You want to save the planet? In your robotic suit, you navigate a flooded city. You break into an underground lair and explore ancient pyramids. You find and collect seeds and return them to the safety of the vault. Nurture these seeds and grow new sustainable crops. Unlock additional tools and items to customize your suit. You're on the lone mission to rescue Earth's precious plant life. Adventure around your area. Locate and collect Earth's precious remaining plant life. Rescue them and return them to the safety of the vault right away. Sounds exciting. It's a game. It's called Doomsday Vault. Several episodes ago, I talked about the seed vault in Norway. Now there's a game, Doomsday Vault. It's an indie puzzle game about trying to save the world's most, specifically trying to save the world's biodiversity. It was inspired by the very real Global Seed Vault in Norway, which has been named the Doomsday Vault. In Doomsday Vault, the game, the collapse of the Earth's climate has led to the seed backups failing. Players will take on a solo mission to return the devastated planet, gather up the remaining plant life, and return it to the Doomsday Vault, which serves as a base of operations. There you can restore your precious seeds and generate sustainable crops. The player character in this game, something of a cross like between Indiana Jones and Wall-E, dressed in a little spacesuit reminiscent of an Among Us character. You travel around the world using tools to explore different environments, and you locate critical plant species to bring back to the vault. Your suit contains a variety of useful devices. No guns, forcing players to rely on environmental tools. The story of this collapsed world will be told through the environments you travel through. 
Different areas will show you how the climate disaster affects people's daily lives, how humanity was evacuated from the planet, gee, I wonder where we went, and what a potentially nefarious corporation has to do with it all. Gee, could it be Shell? Maybe ExxonMobil? Doomsday Vault was previously an Apple Arcade exclusive, but now it's coming to Nintendo Switch and PC. That sounds fun. I, that's like a perfect game for me. Well, that's good news. Whales are building 20,000 low-carbon homes. Gee, I didn't even know they knew how to use tools. Oh, wait a second. It's the country of Wales, not Shamu or Moby Dick. Wales plans to build 20,000 low-carbon social homes for rent by 2026. The hope is to tackle both a housing shortage and the nation's greenhouse gas emissions. Housing associations say it could lead to thousands of jobs and training opportunities. The Welsh's government's opponents have said that they would have gone further and built even more. All the houses will meet what the government describes as bold new quality and environmental standards. Some could even become miniature power stations, using green technology to generate more electricity than they need. That could be sent back to the national grid to supply other homes electricity. Check this out. Let's talk about one of my favorite prizes. It's the Keeling Curve Prize. It's named after the Keeling Curve graph that represents the concentration of carbon dioxide in the Earth's atmosphere. They've been measuring that since 1958, and it was named after former climate hero Charles Keeling. Since they started measuring, the concentration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere has steadily increased. This is one of, another one of our methods to verify global warming. And this year, the prize goes to a company called Oceans 2050. The chief scientist for 2050 is a gentleman named Carlos Duarte. 2050 is completing a scientific study to quantify carbon sequestration by seaweed and sediment below seaweed farms across five continents as part of a first-of-its-kind seaweed carbon farming project. The goals of the project are to advance the scientific basis for seaweed aquaculture as a solution to helping address the climate crisis while contributing to ocean restoration and create market access and incentives to catalyze this solution. Oceans 2050 plans to use the funding from this Keeling Curve Prize which I believe is $250,000. They're going to use that to support the design of the first carbon-optimized seaweed farm, applying learnings from the study. The prototype farm will aim to minimize the carbon footprint of seeding, harvesting, and processing seaweed while maximizing carbon sequestration. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Our birthday boy today is David Schindler. He was born on August of 1940. Unfortunately, he passed away this past March. He was an American and Canadian limnologist. Sorry to admit, but I'd never heard that word before. What is a limnologist? No, it's not someone who studies your limbs. The study of lakes, reservoirs, ponds, rivers, springs, streams, wetlands, and groundwater. Schindler was the memorial chair and professor of ecology at the Department of Biological Sciences at the University of Alberta. He was notable for innovative large-scale experiments on whole lakes at the Experimental Lakes area, which proved that phosphorus controls of the eutrophication, that's like excessive algae blooms, in temperate lakes. His work led to the banning of phosphates in detergents. He was also known for his research on acid rain. Schindler's research earned him numerous national and international awards. So here we go. The Herzberg Gold Medal, the Volvo Environmental Prize, the Tyler Prize for Environmental Achievement, 
you know, that's one of my all-time favorites. That's like the equivalent of the Nobel Peace Prize. Over his career, Schindler received over 100 awards. In 1991, he was awarded the prestigious Stockholm Water Prize for research into excess nutrification and acidification of freshwater lakes. Try and say that five times fast. He was awarded the Rachel Carson Award for his lifetime of work on whole ecosystems research in the Experimental Lakes area in 2016. A brilliant man, great humanitarian. Sorry you're not with us anymore. David Schindler, happy birthday. Well, that wraps up episode 38. Thanks for the staff. Thanks for the doc for being quiet while he was a guest in the studio today. Not a peep out of him. He's been sleeping the whole time. Thanks, Zona. So we'll be back in two weeks with more exciting news. I hope you enjoyed the good news episode. Until then, good night, Galileo. Thanks for listening to A Breath of Fresh Earth with your host, Rick Friedman. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you're the first to hear new episodes. If you want to nominate someone for Climate Hero of the Week, send it to Rick at the link below. This has been A Breath of Fresh Earth. Thanks for listening. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.